Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We see through Jesus that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and full of compassion. That's God's self-revelation. That's what we see in the incarnation. Jesus comes and he completely blows everybody's minds because he is merciful and gracious. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on John chapter 18, verse 28, through chapter 19, verse 16, in a message titled, Jesus and the Truth. Now, here's Pastor Brian. He brought Jesus out, sat down in the judgment seat in the place known as the stone pavement, and there he passed the sentence. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. This statement right here, and I won't go into any detail on this. I'm just going to make this statement. This is the explanation for the history of the Jews after this point to this day. They rejected God as their king. And I mean, that was what Judaism was, basically. Judaism was Yahweh is our king. And here are the representatives of the Jewish nation saying, we have no king but Caesar. And the rest of history has been these people having rejected the reign of their God over them, then have been turned over to the various Caesars in the various places that they've gone. And it has never, ever, ever gone well for them throughout all of history. The Jewish people are the most persecuted people in history. And this is the reason. Because they rejected their king and they embraced Caesar as king. Now, that's just what I wanted to kind of, you know, tie tie the whole story together, but I want to come back to verse 37. And I want us to focus here for just the last portion of our time here. I want us to focus on verse 37. So Jesus answered Pilate. Pilate says, you are a king then? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So Jesus says that he has come into the world. Now, notice Jesus says two things. He says, for this reason, I was born, the incarnation, and I have come into the world. There's, there's a little bit of a hint there 
that Jesus came from somewhere else into the world. Nobody else comes from somewhere else into the world. We all just <laughs> come into the world. We don't have a pre-existence, right? None of us pre-existed, unless you've imbibed some Mormon doctrine, because <laughs> that's what Mormons teach, that we did all pre-exist as souls. But that's not the biblical teaching. But Jesus did. He pre-existed. And so he came into the world. As Cheryl reminded us in, in her prayer, the king, he stepped down from his throne. And that's what Jesus is just inferring a bit here. For this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. To testify to the truth. And then Pilate, you know, cynically says, what is truth? So when Jesus says, I I came to testify to the truth, what does Jesus mean by that? Well, I think we have to understand that that he has come to testify to a, a very specific truth. Now, he's not come to testify about mathematics or logic or even philosophy which those are all fine, and and obviously there are truths to be understood through those lenses. But Jesus is not talking about truth in a general sense here. He's talking about truth very specifically. He's talking about the truth of who God is and of who humanity is. This is the truth that Jesus came to testify to. He came basically to tell us and show us Number one, what human beings were intended to be. And number two, who God truly is and what God is like. Now, what God is like is even more specific because who God truly is. The Jews, of course, believed that Yahweh was God, but they didn't understand Yahweh. They had completely misinterpreted him and especially the leaders at the time. So we're going to look at these two things. Jesus showed us the truth about what and who we are supposed to be. You know, Paul says this really fascinating thing in one little verse in 1 Corinthians 15.47. He refers to Jesus as the second man. Now, it's funny because um, in that same passage, he refers to Jesus as the last Adam. And he's comparing and contrasting Jesus with Adam. As in Adam, all people die, so in Christ, everyone will be made alive. But I find a lot of times, even sometimes preachers or commentators, they will refer to Jesus as the second Adam. He's not the second Adam. It doesn't say that. It says he's the second man. What does that mean? Well, what that actually means is that there have only been two, and Adam and Eve are, I'm looking at them as one, there have only been two true humans in the history of the world. Humans in the sense of what God intended when he made them. The first was Adam, and the second was Jesus. So all other human beings, all of us, because of our sinful condition, 
are something other and less than what God intended us to be. That's the problem with the world. That's the problem with humanity. We are not what we were created to be. We have become sinners and we're inclined toward sin. We're inclined toward the way things are not supposed to be. But Jesus is the one who is the second man. He is the sinless man. And he is the one who shows us through his life what humanity was created for. And very simply, humanity was created to know God personally, intimately, and to live in his love and to love each other. In a nutshell, that's the purpose of humanity. That is a purpose for which we were created, to know God. All the other pursuits, all the other things that we do, whatever they might be, some good, some not good, whatever, they're all secondary. The first and foremost thing for which we exist is to know God and to live in his love, to know him intimately, personally. So Jesus shows us that. That's how Jesus lived his life. He, he lived his life in communion with his father and in love with his father, doing the will of his father, not doing his own will, but doing the will of him who sent me. And then, of course, Jesus loved his neighbor. Jesus showed us how we are to love one another. He showed us how we are to love our neighbors, which sometimes translates even to strangers and sometimes translates even to enemies. So Jesus showed us all that. So Jesus showed us the truth about who human beings are to be. That's the first thing. But the second thing is that Jesus showed us the truth about God. Jesus showed us the truth. So like I said, the Jews knew, I mean, they have this long history. They go back to Abraham, their patriarch. And they know that God called Abraham and he set him apart. And then Abraham, God promised that through Abraham and his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And then Abraham's son, Isaac, came. And then Isaac's son, Jacob, or Israel, came. And then the tribes of Israel and all the great and wonderful Stories of the work of God among these people. So point is, they knew that Yahweh was their God. But the reality is, they didn't know what Yahweh was really like. They missed the most important features of who Yahweh was. And so Jesus comes, and he is the one to bring Yahweh out into the open. Remember what John says in chapter 1. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is also himself God and is in the closest relationship with the father. He has brought him out into the open. So that's what Jesus did. In the Old Testament, the most repeated passage in the Old Testament, believe it or not, 
is from Exodus chapter 34. It's the description that God gives of himself. That is the most repeated passage in the Old Testament. You find it over and over, either stated exactly or partially or alluded to. And I can't remember the number of times and just Last week, I sat down and I went through every one of them and marked them, and now I forget how many there were. But there's a lot of them. Take my word for it. So Jesus comes to reveal, and Hebrews tells us this. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of God's person. He's the exact representation. Paul tells us in Colossians that he is the image of the invisible God. So you want to see God? You want to know what God is like? People wonder, well, you know, if there is a God, what's he like? Look at Jesus. He's the exact representation. He is the image of the invisible God. And what is the thing that... That God, as he reveals himself in Exodus 34 and repeats over and over again. And what do we see in the life of Jesus? Dominantly in his life, we see through Jesus that God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and full of compassion. That's God's self-revelation. That's what we see in the incarnation. Jesus comes and he completely blows everybody's minds because he is merciful and gracious. He blows some people's minds completely like they can't handle it. No way. There can't be that much graciousness. There can't be that much mercy. We won't accept that. I mean, Jesus was so radical. This past week, Cheryl, in her morning devotion, you know, she she wrote out this thing. It was kind of like, you know, would Jesus be welcome at your church? And then she talked about Jesus and just how radical he was. And, you know, so she's reading this thing to me, and I'm like, where did you get that? And she said, oh, you know, I'm just writing it. And she does stuff like that sometimes. And I said, give me that thing. I want to post that because it's amazing. But it's, a, it's basically a statement of the radicalness of the mercy and grace and compassion of Jesus. And this blows everybody's mind. I mean, for some people, for the broken and for the sinful and for the people who feel like and and are being told, basically, God hates you and there is no future for you except the flames. This is the greatest news ever. This is the greatest revelation of all time. For the self-righteous, they hate this. No way. This is crazy. I'm righteous. And now we're good. We don't even need that kind of mercy because we're good ourselves. So that's what Jesus does. He reveals that God is merciful and gracious. He also reveals to us that God is faithful. The God of the Bible is a faithful God. And Jesus is showing by his own life the faithfulness of God because Jesus is coming in fulfillment of the promises God has made. And I've already mentioned one. 
In you, Abraham, and in your seed, singular, all the people of the earth will be blessed. The blessing for all humanity is coming through your seed, Abraham, through your singular seed. And that seed was Christ, Paul tells us. And so Jesus shows that God is faithful. He keeps his promises. He promised that even though sin entered the world, even though man sided with the devil against God, that God would make a way back. And Jesus is that way back. And so his very presence is showing us the truth that God is faithful. But this whole scene, this whole thing that is leading up to that climactic moment of the crucifixion is also showing us something about God. It's showing us that God is just. Why did Jesus die? Well, there are a number of reasons, but one of the reasons that's often overlooked is Jesus died because of God's justice. You see, because God is just, sin must be punished. God cannot, because of who he is, he cannot let sin go unpunished. He must punish sin. And so in Jesus and in what's happening here in this, um, this beating, this crowning, this flogging, this mocking, all of these things that are happening, you know what's happening here? Jesus is actually, he is bearing the punishment for sin. We, human beings, we have committed high crimes against the most high And the penalty for our crimes must be paid. And that's the substitutionary atonement that Jesus provides for us, which Isaiah 53 spelled out in advance that this is what indeed would be taking place. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. All we like sheep had gone astray. We had turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquities of us all. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Remember, Pilate said, aren't you speaking to me? Don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or release you? Pilate was pressing Jesus. Jesus didn't say a word because Isaiah had prophesied he would be silent like a lamb before the shears. And so we see in Jesus, we see that God is just. And every injustice must be paid for. Every injustice we've committed, every injustice that others have committed against us, all of the injustices, which there are billions upon billions that have been committed all throughout history. These are sins quite often against our fellow men and women, but they are ultimately sins against God who created us and who gave these laws. And so Jesus shows us that God is just. 
But finally, Jesus shows us that God is love. And the depth of his love is seen in Jesus in his suffering for us. This is where the deep, deep love of God is displayed. Because what Jesus is doing is he's taking upon himself the punishment that we deserve. This is the great act of love. That God is making Jesus, who knew no sin, to become the sin offering for us so that we could in turn become the righteousness that God requires in him. And so in this suffering that Jesus is enduring that will climax with those final words, it is finished, I, into your hands I commit my spirit, all of this is a display of the love of God. And this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, isn't it? He says that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's the demonstration of God's love. How do we know God loves us? How does anybody know that there really is a God of love? God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were sinners, while we were enemies, Christ, his beloved son, his one and only son, his unique son, the one who is one with the father, he died for us. And as Jesus himself said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And that's what he did. He laid down his life for us. So when Jesus says that he came to testify to the truth, he's talking specifically about this truth of who God is, of who we are intended to be, of who we have become, and of what God has done to fix the problem. And what God has done is he has condescended. He has stepped down from his throne to die for his subjects. What king dies for their subjects? That's how much he loves us. And so... That's the truth. And Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Everyone who is of the truth, everyone who's interested in truth. You know, there's a lot of truth seekers supposedly out there. The problem is, as somebody pointed out once, most people say they're seeking truth, but they really hope to never find it. They just like, they like the journey. If you're really seeking truth... This is it. This is where you'll find it. And if you're really seeking truth, you'll listen to it and heed it. Because Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth truly listens to my voice. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. 
In our culture today, there are plenty of people that would even challenge the historicity of Jesus. They would want to cast doubt on whether or not Jesus even lived. But did you know that there is no reputable historian who questions the existence of Jesus? And John Dixon has written a fantastic book called Is Jesus History? John is a Ph.D. in historical studies and has done an excellent job in putting to bed the myths and the lies surrounding the existence of Jesus. Of course, Jesus was a historical person, and you can trust what the Bible says about him. And this little book, Is Jesus History?, is going to really be helpful for all of those who are still asking that question or wondering about that. Again, this month's resource is a book titled, Is Jesus History? by John Dixon. You can order the book, Is Jesus History? by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, Is Jesus History? by Dr. John Dixon. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.